If you're ready for God's word, say amen. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 10. The Bible says these simple words, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Notice that word call shows up again in verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Would you meditate with me this morning on this word call? Three times right here in these verses, the Bible says that the same Lord is rich over all that call unto him. The Bible says that if you're going to be saved, be on your way to heaven, know the God of heaven, the God of the universe. The Bible says you have to call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved. And the Bible says to us, church, that the world can't know about Jesus unless we are calling on those who need to believe. Let's think on that word, a call that makes a difference. Are you familiar with that word? It's a simple word, isn't it? It's not a difficult word. You've heard about uh, you've heard a child calling for his or her mom. You ever, you ever heard that? A child calling for mom gets her attention, doesn't it? You can be in a whole room with a whole bunch of moms and one child call out mom, but the mom knows that voice, knows that heart. And sometimes, if it's unclear, every mom in the room snaps to attention. You ever seen that happen? A call can make a difference. A wife calling for her husband can make a difference, can it? I was eating out this week with a... Uh, a young man and his wife, and they were talking. I don't remember why we were talking about her family, but she was talking about her family, and apparently they lived in an old farmhouse, and the kitchen, you had to leave the kitchen, go all the way to the other end of the house to go upstairs. You had to go all the way to the other end of the house, you go up the stairs, and there were four bedrooms upstairs, and one of those was dad's study in the corner right above the kitchen. And so to get there, though, you had to go down the hallway, up the stairs, down the hallway. It was right above the kitchen. And uh, he was, I remember what it was, he was telling me that his family is very quiet. We don't raise our voices in the family I grew up in. And he said, my wife's family, they yelled at each other all the time. Not angry, just if they had to talk to each other, they yelled for each other. They called for each other. And he said many times he's in the, in the house and mom is in the kitchen and she calls for dad and then she'll say this almost every time, he can't hear nothing. Y'all identify with that? He can't hear nothing. And so you know that a wife calling for her husband's a big deal. You, you could go farther with that, and, and it, it'd be even much more sobering. A drowning victim calling for a lifeguard, a sick man calling for his doctor, a hurt man calling 911. In this text, in this text, the Apostle Paul is drawing our attention to this word call and reminding us that everybody in this auditorium today needs to call. Everybody does. Would you notice the first couple of verses in the chapter? chapter? Chapter 10 here, the first couple of verses reminds us that all of us ought to be calling on God for those who need to be saved. Now, church family, let me talk to you just for a moment. If you're, you're a Christian, you're on your way to heaven, notice the lessons we learned from Paul here. Verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire, catch that word, my heart's desire and, don't miss this one, prayer, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them a record, I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's possible to know about God. It's possible to even be zealous about some good works 
and yet not be on your way to heaven. And Paul says right here, you know what, church family, as we start a revival week, you know what we ought to think about? We ought to think about the responsibility we have to desire the souls of men to come to Christ, and that desire ought to turn our hearts to prayer. We've got to call on God for those who need to be saved. What's the word we use to describe that? Well, the word is intercession. You know, there's a lot of praying, right? We ought to pray when we eat. Can you say amen to that? I heard about one young man, and the pastor said to him, do you pray before you eat? He said, no. Preacher said, well, why don't you pray before you eat? He said, well, I don't have to pray. My mom's a good cook. <laughs> no, that's uh, probably, probably not a true story. I don't know. But there's just sometimes we ought to just pray. When you, maybe before we have a meal, it's a good thing to say thanks, isn't it? And thankfulness, gratitude always matters. I think all of us ought to have a prayer life. We may talk about that in the meeting to where we pray regularly, where we pray faithfully. But there's a level of praying here the Bible refers to in our terminology. This is intercession. Paul says, my heart's desire. I have a desire in my heart for people to be saved. Can I ask you, Cleveland Baptist Church member, is that still a desire of your heart, or has that kind of gotten cold on you? Is it still a desire in your heart that, man, we want to see people come to Christ, and we want to see people saved, and we want to see God change lives? We want people to know the God we know. We want to see God work in lives the way he's worked in our life, and if that's going to happen, they got to be saved. Do you still desire that? See, this is intercession. Look, compared to Romans chapter 9, if you're there maybe on the same page, I have to turn back a page. Compared to Romans 9, verses 1 and 2. I say the truth in Christ, verse 1 of chapter 9, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Watch this right here. Then I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. I, I wonder how long it's been since you've had that kind of desire for people to be saved for people to come to know Christ. This is, this is the first call you find in Romans 10. Paul is calling on God because there's people he cares about who have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he cares about that. How many of y'all know it's not enough just to want it? Y'all know that? It's not enough just to desire it. What you got to do is combine the desire with the call. And that's the point he's making here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel might be saved. For I bear them a record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Desire is good, but desire with prayer is better. Do you all believe that? It's not enough just to want it. Some of you still have family that haven't yet come to faith. Are you praying about that? You desire them to be saved. Are you interceding? Is that on your prayer list? Have you written that down? Are you calling on God for those around you who need to be saved? It's, we're so busy. How many of y'all agree with that? Aren't we busy? And life is crazy busy. Y'all agree with that? Life's just crazy busy. But yet as believers, we cannot give up on, on praying for people who need to be saved. We've got to set aside the time. We've got to get a burden about that. We've got to get concerned about that. We've got to say, oh, Lord, I still want people to be saved. Beth and I some years ago met our neighbor. We had just moved to Florida. And uh, we had uh, been there a couple of years, and one day there was a huge storm outside, and the thunder was, you know, loud, and the lightning was, you know, flashing. And I looked out in my yard, it's just pouring the rain. They'd say where I grew up, it's raining cats and dogs. And I looked outside, and it literally was. There was a wet dog in my yard. And I'd never seen that dog before in my life. And there's this dog, and he's scared to death. Big old thing, but scared to death. Every time, every time the thunder would, you know, you know, make a crashing sound there, he would just, I mean, the dog would yelp and just go ballistic. And I ran outside in the middle of that storm, opened my garage door, and yelled for this dog. And he made a beeline right inside my garage. I closed the door. Now there's water everywhere, you know. 
And I calmed that dog down, and then as the storm passed over, we sat down and thought, where have we seen that dog? I know we've seen that dog somewhere. And then it dawned on us, oh, yeah, that new family that moved into the house down there with the pool and the fenced-in backyard, I think I saw that dog in that fenced-in backyard. So I, I got down there, went down there to the house, knocked on the door and said, hey, uh, are you missing a dog? Oh, my goodness. I said, we can't find him anywhere. And I said, well, he's in my garage. If you want him, come get him. And they said, we're on our way. And so they followed me up to our house, and we talked a while. And, you know, in the conversation there, here was a very gentle man, a sincere man, a very kind man, a very gracious man, and he was very honest. I don't know God, and I, I, I don't know him, and I know I need to, and I, I sure would not. You know, I want to go to heaven. I certainly wouldn't want to die without Christ. And we just had a good talk about the gospel, but he, he had questions, wasn't sure. And over the next four or five years, I put him on a prayer list. I don't know how many times I knocked on his door. Uh, I, he wouldn't always come to the door, and sometimes he would, and he always had an excuse. He has a fishing boat, and he has, a, you know, a, a, a racing vehicles, and always something else to do. No time for God, no time. But he was on my prayer list. I don't even really know the guy, but I wanted him to be saved, so I wrote it down and started praying for him. I, I don't even know the guy, but my heart's desire for that man was that he'd go know Christ, that he'd be saved. You know, after a while, you begin to think they're never going to get saved. How many times have I talked? How many times have I prayed? How many times have I have gone over there? And, and yet, uh, back in December, back in December, my wife and I were exercising, walking one morning early, and he pulled up beside. I got one of them big four-wheel drives, you know, and, and a great big thing off the ground, and he pulled up beside us, and I couldn't really see him, but I got up on the side and looked in the window. He stopped, rolled out his window. I looked in, and he said, hey, do you still go to church? And I was like, you could say that. And as an evangelist, just about twice a day, most days of my life, and he said, you still go to church? Yeah, you could say I do. He said, uh, well, good, because I'm coming to church with you. Kind of caught me off guard. And I said, you, you'd think an evangelist have more faith than this. I'm coming to church with you. And I said, you are? And uh, he never had before, you know. And so, yeah, he said, uh, my wife left me a few months ago, and I've been meaning to get up and tell you and talk to you about it. And just made me think a lot about God. Life's a little hard right now. He said, uh, can I go to church with you? And sure enough, he came, and no response, but he came back, and no response, and he came back, and you know, he just kept coming, brought his, his girlfriend, he's got a new girlfriend already, brought his girlfriend, and then he brought his son, brought his daughter. Well, just a few weeks later, you know what happened? Uh, he's calling on the Lord to be his Savior. And then his girlfriend said she was already saved, and then his little boy got saved, and his girl got saved. Well, you know, they got some ways to go. They don't know everything I know, don't do everything I do. They've got, you know, a lot of growing yet to do, just like everybody else. But you know what? I, I, I'm glad that I didn't give up on him. I know it wasn't me that saved him. Jesus is the one who saves. Is that right or wrong? Jesus is the one who saves. But you know what? God uses our desire and our calling, our praying. Church, don't give up on souls. Don't give up on having a burden for heart, uh, for people who need Christ. Don't, don't lose your burden in your heart. You got to intercede. You got to pray. You got to pray. You got to pray. And I'm glad he got saved. He has a fishing boat. Now I don't have to buy one. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> Praise God. He's my buddy. And he said to me the other day, if you want to go fishing, I'll take you. Thank you, Jesus. I, I got his boat now. Isn't that wonderful? 
And just my new friend down here. Isn't that great? Listen, you've got to love people and want to see them say. That's what Paul is saying right here. Let's start this revival by just getting a new burden for souls and, and interceding more than we ever have. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's the first call. You've got to call on God because people need the Lord. Here's the second call. You've got to call on God if you're going to be saved through Jesus Christ. You gotta call on God if you're gonna be saved through Jesus Christ. Right away in Romans chapter 10, Paul jumps right in and talks about what we call the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins and he was buried and he was raised from the dead. Jesus, you see, is the Son of God and he's God the Son. And the Bible teaches in the book of Romans that all of us are sinners. How many of y'all already knew that? Did you already know that? It's a Bible way of saying everybody does wrong. If you knew that, uh, wave your hand at me. Did you already know that? And the Bible describes that in a lot of ways, doesn't it? He says there's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody's good enough to go to heaven on their own. Romans early in the chapters here discusses this. He says, there's none good, there's none that doeth good, none that doeth good. No, not somebody, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. You mean, what do you mean there's nobody that does good? I know people that have never gone to church in their life and they're good people. So why in the world would the Bible come along and say, there's none that doeth good, nobody does good, nobody? Why would the Bible say that? Because he's talking about eternal life. He's talking about heaven. And the Bible wants you to know that because of our sins, because of our sins, there is nobody that knows where heaven is, and nobody knows how to get to heaven, and you can't get there on your own because no matter what you do, you're still a sinner. Does that make sense? No matter, you can get baptized, but you're still a sinner. Now you're just a wet one. Y'all with me on that one? And you can go to church and sit in a pew, but we're all still sinners. So how in the world can sinners like us, who the Bible says you're not good enough to go to heaven, you're not righteous enough to go to heaven, and you can't get to heaven on your own, well, then how in the world can we as sinners get our sins forgiven? Well, the Bible says a Savior named Jesus, a Savior named Jesus came to this world. He's the Son of God, and He's God the Son. He's deity. And a Savior named Jesus came to this world. You know why? Because you need a Savior. You know why? Because you and I need forgiveness. You know why? Because we, 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 we got to die. And after death, the judgment. And eternity is real. And we are living souls. So why did a Savior named Jesus come to this earth, live a sinless life? Why did he die on a cross for our sins? And why was he buried? And why did he rise from the dead? Because you and I need a Savior. We need to be forgiven. We need eternal life. And we can't get it on our own. So Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it all. He died for our sins. He was buried. The Bible describes that in a lot of ways. The Bible says that God laid on him, that's Jesus, God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And the Bible says on the cross 2,000 years ago, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And over and over again, you find in the Bible, the Bible truth, that God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And the Bible describes it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
It's over and over the truth of the Bible. So Paul jumps right in here and begins to discuss what Jesus did for us. And notice what he says here in verse 3, and I'll just read it with you. Look off of the Bible if you can, verse 3 of chapter 10. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And in verse 5, Moses describes the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Here's, here's some unique verses. The righteousness, which is of faith, speaks on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That, that is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith with which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, these are interesting verses. You know what Paul's trying to say right here? Don't get confused about it. Don't make it more difficult than what it is. Don't ask questions that you don't really need to ask because here's what they're doing. The Jews are saying this when Paul is talking to them. They're saying, now, wait a minute. How do we know this Messiah? We got to go to heaven to find out if this is true. We got to go to heaven to find out if this is true because somebody's got to go to heaven to find out if Jesus is really the Messiah. And if that doesn't work, somebody's got to go down to the grave. Somebody's got to go down below and find out if he really did rise from the dead. You know what they did? They got so hung up on all the details and all the discussions and all the debates and all the differences that they were missing the simplicity of it. And watch the simplicity of the Bible. You and I are sinners and not one of us can save ourselves. And yet Jesus died for our sins. He did everything necessary for us to be saved, and he was buried, and he was raised from the dead three days later. You know why, don't you? To prove to us that he really was deity, and to prove to us that he really did have authority over death and hell and the grave, and to prove to us that he really was more than just an ordinary man, and to prove to us that when he offers us eternal life, it's a valid offer. That's why Jesus rose from the dead, so that you would know that when Christianity says, did you know you're a sinner and you can't go to heaven and you don't know God and there's not a thing you can do about that? Did you know, though, that Jesus made a way that all that can change? He died for you. He was buried and he rose from the dead. He did it. You know why? So you would know it's real. So you would know he means it. So you would know that on a Sunday morning in Cleveland, Ohio, when a preacher named Dave Young stands up and tells you, did you know that Jesus died for your sins? And if you'll call on him, he'll save you from your sins. Did you know the resurrection of Jesus is letting you know that's a valid offer? That's a valid offer. That's a valid offer. You know, churches are a dime a dozen. There's only one way to be saved. You know that, don't you? Churches are a dime a dozen. There's only one way to be saved. Doesn't matter denominations when it comes to being saved. Denominations not the issue. Uh, church, church polity and the way we run church, none of that's the issue. The issue when it comes to getting saved is, God, you're right about me. I'm a sinner, and I don't know where heaven is, and I can't get there on my own. But, Jesus, I know you died, you were buried, you were raised from the dead, and I'm going to call on you to do for me what I can't do for myself. That's what it means to be saved. Don't make it difficult. They were making it so hard. Well, I don't know if he's the Messiah or not. Somebody got to go to heaven and find out. And I don't know if he really rose from the dead or not. I got to go down to the grave and find out. No, you're missing it, Paul is saying to them. Jesus Christ is letting you know here, you can't get yourself to heaven because you're not righteous, but I am. 
You can't get yourself to heaven because you're not righteous, but I am. And if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you know what Jesus will do for you? He'll give you his righteousness. And you don't go to heaven because you're a good person. You don't go to heaven because you're a righteous person. You don't go to heaven because you deserve it. You go to heaven on the merit of Jesus Christ and what he did. And that's the message of the Bible. That's the message of Christianity. Do you understand that? You folks in the balcony, you teenagers in the building, do you understand that this morning? You can't go to heaven on your own. Nobody can. Nobody can. Nobody ever does. But Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. If you call on the name of Jesus Christ, what will he do? The Bible says he'll save you. Well, what's that word mean? You know that word, don't you? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that Christmas time is coming. Don't you love that? Aren't you excited? You'll get a card this Christmas. Probably get a card this Christmas. Somebody will send you a card, and it'll have this verse on it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. How many of y'all know that verse, do you? What's that word saved? What's that word saved? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's he even talking about? That word means to rescue or to be rescued or one who rescues. Jesus is the Savior. We're in our sins, and we don't know God, and we're separated from God, and yet He's real, and He cares about us. So Jesus, the Savior, the one who rescues us from sin, the one who rescues us from the judgment of God. Can I say it gently? The one who rescues our souls from hell itself. That Jesus is the Savior, the one who rescues us. So what does it mean to be saved? It means I agree with God. God, your word is right. I'm a sinner, and I'm not righteous, and I can't get to heaven on my own. Y'all see how simple this is? They were making it so hard. They were debating heaven and the grave, and they were discussing the law. No, no, Paul said, slow, hold on a minute. Nobody's righteous. Nobody's good enough. No, we're all sinners. All of us are. But this Savior named Jesus, he's the one that can rescue you. And if you'll call on the name of the Lord, what happens? You shall be rescued, saved, rescued from sin, rescued from judgment. And you know what? You're the only one that can decide that. Nobody, notice it's personal for whosoever. It's not that, that, that this is something your parents can do for you. This is not something that I can do for you. This is not something the Pope can do for you. This is not something the Virgin Mary can do for you. This is, not, this is only something Jesus can do for you, and you've got to turn to Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 3, we're not righteous. He says in verse 4, Jesus Christ is righteous. He says in verses 8, 9, and 10 that his death and resurrection are all that is needed to save a soul from sin and hell. And in verse 10, then he says, all you got to do is believe unto righteousness and confess with your mouth. And in verse 13, he says, this is all you got to do. It's all you got to do. You got to call on God for yourself. Isn't that simple? Don't confuse it. You say, I don't know who's right and who's wrong. Well, don't worry about who's right and who's wrong. Know that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and was raised from the dead. Yeah, but, but so-and-so said, don't worry about so-and-so. Just go to the Bible. And the Apostle Paul wrote this by inspiration of the Spirit of God. Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead. So if you'll call on him, if you'll call on him, he'll take away your sins, give you everlasting life. You can walk out of Cleveland Baptist Church Auditorium on a Sunday morning in 2023. You can walk out of here righteous in the sight of God on your way to heaven because of what Jesus did. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? John Bunyan John Bunyan was a great author, and I love what John Bunyan said. Uh, John, John Bunyan said, if God had written with his own hand, if John Bunyan will come to me, I will save him. 
Well, I might have hesitated, for I would have said, "Eh, to be sure, it's probably not this poor old drunken man. It's got to be another John Bunyan that probably lived 100 years ago, or maybe some John Bunyan that will live, you know, somewhere down the road, maybe 100 years from now. Or maybe it's just some John Bunyan across the seas on the other side of the world. But to be sure, it's probably not this poor old miserable sinner. But when God says whosoever, I love this. When God says whosoever, I just assume he means me. In that shouting ground, I just assume he means me. See, God didn't put your name in there. He put whosoever in there so that all of us are included the same. You know why we're all the same? Because we're all sinners. I, you may have a tie on. You may not have a tie on. You may be dressed up more than somebody else. You, you, you may have a different hair color or hairstyle. Your lifestyle may not be my style. But you know the fact of the matter is everybody's a sinner. We're all on equal footing right there, aren't we? Everybody is. All of us are equal there. Doesn't matter how you look, how good you look, or how good you don't look, how much education you have. Doesn't matter what you're wearing. The fact of the matter is, everybody's a sinner. We all agree on that. Everybody is. We all know that. We're all born sinners, and we all choose to sin, and we're all going to die sinners unless we call on the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him save us from sin. Isn't that simple? How simple is it? So you got call here. You see the word call? Y'all follow the word call? Y'all getting there, there in the balcony? Y'all getting it? You teenagers getting it? It's the word call. Here's what the Bible says. In these first couple of verses of chapter 10, well, all of us ought to have a desire for souls and be calling on God that people might be saved. And then he talks to us here a little bit just for a moment and says, oh, my goodness, if you're going to be saved, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By the way, can I just stop there before I give you the last point? Would you call on the Lord today? Would you? Would you? I I, I was 15 when I called on the Lord. I was a public high school 10th grader. And I heard about Jesus, that he was the only one righteous enough to save a sinner. And he was the one who died and was buried and was raised. I remember when 15 years old when I called on why teenagers, if you're in the balcony, you could be saved just like I was when I was 15 years old. But you got to call on the Lord. you got to call on Jesus. you got to turn to Jesus. you got to trust in Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? you got to believe in Jesus. I, uh, my, my daddy was, I think he was in his late 20s when he called on Jesus. My papa Young was in his late 40s, early 50s when he called on Jesus. My grandpa Trina was 92 when he called on Jesus. I'm glad to tell you today that anybody, anybody who's willing to say, God, you're right, I'm a sinner, and I don't deserve to go to heaven, and I, according to your word, I'm not righteous enough, but, oh, God, I want to know Jesus. I want to be forgiven. I want to have eternal life. I'm willing to call on Jesus. I'm just telling you this morning, lightning won't flash, and there may not be rolling thunder, and you probably won't get a standing ovation. But can I tell you something? The God of heaven will wash away your sins and give you everlasting life. And he sure wants to. So will you call? Church family, let's examine our lives. Do we have a burden? Are we, are we calling on the Lord? For, are we really sincerely praying and seeking God because the world needs Christ? Your prayers are essential. Y'all with me on that? So we got to call on God for those who need to be saved. Well, if you're not saved, you got to call on God in order to be saved. And there's one more thing in the text, and I'm done. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? What a, what a reminder here, huh? It's true. Y'all agree with this? You got to call on God for those who need to be saved. Y'all agree with that, church family? And y'all see this, that everybody who gets saved has got to call on the Lord in order to be saved. And can you see this right here in our text? All of us ought to be calling on people who don't know Christ. 
All of us should. No, he's talking about the preacher right here. But you could simply say it like this. You could just simply, if they don't, if, if, they, if, if they don't call, if, 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 they don't, if they can't call, they, they don't believe. So there's no way they can be saved until they can call. And they, they can't even believe if they've never heard. What, what's that progression? And they can't, they, they can't hear unless somebody goes and tells them. It's literally a preacher. Or we could simplify that maybe a little bit and say someone who calls on them. How simple is that? How simple is that? You know why I came to know Christ? Because somebody called on me. That's why I came to know Christ. Somebody called on me. Well, God already loved me. Jesus had already died for my sins. Hey, maybe you're a friend here this morning on this special Sunday at Cleveland Baptist, and maybe you kind of get irritated a little bit. You know, they're always trying to get me to go to church, always trying to get me to go to church, always trying to get me to go. Well, don't be offended by that. Please don't be offended by that. Listen, the fact of the matter is the, the, the Bible commands us to do that. If we know the God of heaven and he's taken away our sins and he's changed our lives and he's given us wonderful love and joy and peace and we're on our way to heaven and we, our lives are not the same and we've been changed by the grace and power and love of God, what well, only makes sense, doesn't it? that we'd want somebody else to know. And if anybody's going to get saved, the only way people know about Jesus, if we tell them the truth about how he died for their sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. Are you all following me today? The Bible says here that you and I need to call on those who need to be saved. We've got to call on them. And verse 15 says here very simply, it's a beautiful thing if you do. It's a beautiful thing. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, that's, that, that almost sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Look, look right there. Do you all see those beautiful feet right there? That's really not what he's saying. Somebody, what he's saying really, really not the point. The point is, what a beautiful thing when a sinner doesn't know God and somebody brings the truth of the gospel to them and they understand they need Christ and they're born again. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Why, just this last week, a lady in a, in a church in Clarksburg, West Virginia, called the pastor of the church where I was preaching and, and she goes to another church, and, and, and I, don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know what's going on there, but she called the church where I was preaching, and she said, I heard that you visit people and, and talk to them about, about Jesus and about getting saved. And the pastor said, well, we sure do. She said, well, my church doesn't do that, but would you visit my daddy? He's in an in a assisted living home now, and he's been talking about God, and he doesn't know about this thing, getting saved. So pastor and I drove over there, and pastor said, you talk to him, Brother Young. You talk to him. We went up into his room there at the assisted living. Here's this old man. I got on my knees in front of him and talked to him about Jesus and how that all of us are sinners and how that Jesus will save us and how that Jesus can take away our sins, how that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead. And you know, that 91-year-old man we walked in had all kinds of questions. He even said, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. I'd like to think I am, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not getting any younger. I'm 91. I'm in pretty good health, but I, I don't know. I need help. And I told him about Jesus. I told him about Jesus, told him about Jesus. And before we walked out of that room, did you know that man called on the Lord, called on the Lord, called on the Lord. And you know what Jesus does when you call him? He saves you. Now, how did he know? Because we took the time. We took the time to go talk to him. Church, don't underestimate that. Some of you, it's been a long time since you talked to your family that needs to be saved. 
Well, they know. We've told them. Don't ever stop calling. Don't ever stop trying. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop. Let's start this revival campaign. And let's just start it by saying, Lord, we're a good church, and we love you, and there's no doubt, Lord. But what we need, God, is a revival in our hearts that burdens and gives us a new desire for people we love and care about and our neighbors and our family and our coworkers. And, oh, God, help us to call on them. Give us an opportunity to call on them. Well, that man got saved because we called on him. That's what the Bible is teaching here. You can't give up on a church. You can't give up on it. You can't. Is it a different hour? Yeah, are there questions that are being asked that's hard to answer? Sure, there are, but there's always answers to every question if you take the time to study it and research it and find the answer. But, but the fact of the matter is, nobody's going to know about Jesus unless we go, unless we talk. Some of you young men ought to be thinking about giving your whole life and saying, you know, Lord, I'll go preach if you want me to. Some of you young men ought to consider that. Why, there's nothing wrong with being a doctor. We need more of them. Nothing wrong with being a lawyer. We need some great, honest, godly lawyers. And nothing wrong with being nurses. And nothing wrong with being, if God wants you to do all of that, you do it. But maybe God would let you be a preacher like he talks about right here. Not just a soul winner, not just one that goes, but one that gives his whole life to tell people about Christ. Well, why not? Why not? What a great way to live. Bethany and I have been doing this for 30 years. 30 years we've preached now and uh, traveled and, and given the gospel in 48 states. Who would ever thought that a Tennessee kid growing up on a hillside farm in Tennessee would get to do what I do, preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. Haven't yet been to Vermont. Y'all pray about that. Haven't yet been to Hawaii. Would you really pray about that? And I feel like people in Hawaii need to know about Jesus too. Somebody down there needs revival. Y'all pray about that, will you? But think about this, how, how beautiful it is. How beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to tell people about Jesus, so don't give up on it. Do it today. Find somebody this afternoon. Have a special revival week where everybody in this building, everybody who's a Christian, tries to win somebody to Jesus in a special, definite way this week. Wouldn't that be thrilling if, if at the end of this week we had seen 100 or 200 people saved because we tried to call on them? Are y'all following me or not, church family? Y'all follow me or not? Here's the word call in the text. So how y'all doing? Church, let's have revival. Let's just, let's just let's stop here. Can you see that there's a call that makes a difference? Can you see that in the text? That's how I title this, a call that makes. Can you all see that? So how about it this morning? How about it? How many of you, how many of you this morning examine your life and say, it's me, it's me, not out loud, but in your heart, it's me, I'm the one that needs to be saved. I don't know God. I don't know Jesus, but I want to be forgiven like that. I'm willing to admit I'm a sinner and I'm willing to turn to Christ and call on him to be my Savior. He'll do it. He'll do it. If you will, he will. If you will, he will. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will, he will. If you will, he will. Can I go a step farther and say this? If you won't, he can't. If you won't, he can't. God will never force you to have eternal life. God will never force you against the will that he put into you and gave you a free choice. If you won't, he can't, because the only way you can be saved is if you'll call on Jesus Christ, the one who died and was buried and was raised from the dead. If you will, he will. If you will, he will. Would you today? Would you? Church family, would you start this revival? Would you start the, my first commitment in this revival week is about prayer and soul winning. God, give me a desire. God, help me to pray again. And God, help me in faith to go tell others about you, believing that it works, that it makes a difference. Have I made sense this morning, dear friends? For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our heart's desire and prayer for you is that this very morning you would be saved. 
Let's bow our heads for prayer, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You'll hear some folks moving around because musicians are coming and counselors are coming and, and getting ready. But just between you and God, would you just for a moment, would you just for a moment be in a word of prayer? Just for a moment, be in prayer. And how many of you in this building this morning in the balcony or here on the main floor would say, hey, hey Dave, I'm just going to be honest about it. I, I am not saved. But boy, I can see how simple it is. And this very Sunday morning, I want to be saved through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm not saved, but I sure see how simple it is. And this very Sunday morning at Cleveland Baptist Church, I want to be saved through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I believe, and I'm going to call on him. If you're willing to do that this morning, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world. But would you raise your hand? Let me know it. Let me just see a hand. Just raise your hand. I'm the one that needs to be saved, and I want to be saved. And so this morning, I'm willing to call on Jesus. Here's my hand. I'm willing to call on Jesus. Let me see your hand this morning, would you? Just raise it good and high. I'm willing to call on Jesus. I will. God bless you there, young lady. God bless you. I'm so happy for you. Who else would say, I'm willing to, Dave? Anybody in the balcony? I don't want to miss you on the balcony. If you're in the balcony there and you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to be saved, there's another hand. God bless you this morning. God bless you. Who else? Raise your hand good and high. Let me see it. Just enough we can see it. It's a big auditorium. Hold it just a moment. I don't know Jesus, but I want to be saved through Jesus. I'll call on him. Who else would do that this morning? Now, just go ahead and do it, would you? Just go ahead and do it, will you? Would you just go ahead and call on him in your heart? The Bible says, for with the heart, man believes unto salvation, believes unto righteousness. So go ahead and do it. Just go ahead right there where you are, in the balcony, on the main floor, and say, dear God, just say it in your heart. Just pray it like this. Oh, dear God, say it. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. You can admit that, can't you? Just go ahead and pray that. Why, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus is the only one who died for sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. Go ahead and pray that. Why, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know Jesus is the only one who died for sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And if you don't understand it, just tell him. God, I'm not sure I understand it, but I believe it. Just go ahead and tell him that. And say, God, I'm calling on you because I want to be forgiven of my sins. Pray about that. I'm calling on you because I want to be forgiven. Why, if that's true in your life this morning and you're calling on Jesus right there where you're seated, raise your hand good night and let me know it. I'm calling on Jesus right here this morning just like that. Let me see your hand, would you? Raise it good night. God bless you. God bless you. I'm happy for you. Praise the Lord for you. In the balcony as well as here on the main floor, praise the Lord for you. Now we're going to have an invitation in a moment and we're going to have a time for prayer. And We'd sure love to pray with you. And if you'll come on down here, we'll have a word of prayer with you. Folks will be praying all over the building. One more question, one more question. All of you that need to be saved, we want you to trust Christ and come on, let us pray with you. My second question is this. How many members of this church, how many believers here today would say, Dave, my first commitment in this revival is about prayer and the souls of men. And I'm willing to pray this morning. God, give me a desire. God, help me to pray. God, use me. Use me to speak to folks about Christ. That's my first commitment in this revival. How many church members have raised your hand like that? Let me see you. It's my first commitment in this revival, and I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you. How I praise the Lord for you. 